This is a Variety Sports Network production. Now to your host. Man, at some point this this show is going to be fun. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. Hopefully you all had a better Sunday than uh, some of us NFL football fans out there. This is Talking the Gridiron, the exclusive NFL show here. On the Variety Sports Network, I am joined once again by Fat Boy Fadeaway Sports Podcast, Darren and Tyler. So, good evening, guys. Glad you're. We're all here. We could all commiserate together because even though one of us got a win, it still wasn't pretty. So, Darren, how how are you feeling after Week Two? And then then we'll get Tyler's thoughts here after uh, losing the future of his franchise for a portion of this season. So, how are you feeling, Darren? Well, I mean, as a Raiders fan, I mean, you can't get you can't get punched in the gut anymore any more than that. I mean. As a Raiders fan, I will say this: I have built up many calluses, so this isn't like a numb feeling. I'm not, you know, unfortunately for people out there, this isn't. This may be not even a top ten. This might not even be top ten in the last four years. But I will say this: I am pissed. I am looking forward to talking to you gentlemen and getting uh, maybe getting off some of the frustrations off our chest. Maybe some uh, Jimmy going over some bad defensive uh, efforts here. It, it was rough. I mean, from the entire, from the start all the way through the end. I know some some fans are probably really really excited about how today's games went, but uh, as a Bengals fan, as a Raiders fan, yeah, I, I totally get it. You lost to Kyler Murray on a double XP weekend. I don't know if you knew that, but that was it was double XP on Call of Duty and like a limited edition map before they send out the new game. So he came back on you. I don't know what to say. I mean, what was the one play he was running around for like 80 seconds? There's a two-point conversion. I don't know what you guys were doing, but that was the other thing too. How did your offense go half an hour without seeing the field? I They switched over to that game after the uh, the end of the, the bad Broncos game. And they were like, yeah, 30 minutes. It hasn't, Raiders haven't seen the field. Dude, that was so funny you brought that up because I remember when they showed it during the game that, you know, they sometimes would be like, oh, this team hasn't seen the ball for the last seven minutes of game clock. They actually used like, they actually said like 7.08 Pacific Standard Time. So that's what I thought. <laughs> they actually were like using real time for it. So I thought that was. Oh, man. Uh, Tyler, I don't I don't know if you feel that much better than the rest of us. You did get the victory. So congratulations. You're the only one so far on the Sunday slate of shows that has actually seen their team win. Uh, but it still can't feel great with the, the the Trey Lance saga that continues. And now you're back on the Jimmy G train. You tweeted it out. I saw it. I liked it. Uh, so how, how does it feel being back with Jimmy G? It feels a little dirty to me. I don't know. It, it, it doesn't feel right. It feels like we're back, taking a step back. I think the team's actually better. The play calling got better with Jimmy G. It seemed like they opened things up a little bit. The first 15 plays were run plays. I just don't think Shanahan trusted Trey. But as a franchise, we got a little worse today. But as a team, I think we might be a little better for these next 16 games. But it still has to leave you with a sour taste. Because you need to have these years where you develop, like, your future. And you have to – and we're just stuck at where we were the last three years. Injuries have been terrible for the San Francisco 49ers. And before we get into all of the games from week two, I wanted to mention we are presented by the Variety Sports Network. You can go ahead and follow them at Variety underscore sports underscore. And if you see the ticker scrolling across the bottom, we do have merch, bonfire.com slash source dash variety dash sports dash network. Uh, and then you can also check out Row One Brand, get a discount, VSP15. When you use that code, you get 10% off anything and everything in the art gallery. So uh, <clears throat> I think we said we wanted to start chronologically. And that makes sense for Darren, and I live in the AFC West territory, but for Darren it makes sense because those were two teams that you're going to have to see and you're going to have to be able to get over the hump to win your division. And Thursday night, 
even though it wasn't the most pretty performance that we've seen out of Andy Reid's Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes gets it done late, and uh, the defense was the, the main factor here. The defense that has been much maligned for the last two seasons from the Kansas City Chiefs beat up Justin Herbert a little bit, make him uncomfortable, and walk away with a victory when they it all look all seem lost at the at halftime everybody was just counting the fact that it was the chargers division and the kansas city chiefs were going to go away uh, did not happen but uh thursday night football what what were some of the takeaways the biggest news stories that that you kind of walked away from did it make anybody feel better or worse about having to face the the chiefs possibly further down the road well, you mentioned before, I think in our preview one, that you thought the Chiefs, I think, had potential of running away with the division, and they are showing you know, that potential. I picked the Chargers to win that game. I just thought the Chargers could pull that out with the defensive rush, and they got off to a good start with it. The Chargers find a way. They just find a way to get it to, to, to not – they just find a way to blow it. It just feels like that's literally just – that's like I don't even know how to put it any nicer than that. Then Herbert ends up getting killed on a play over there, and you're worried that he's done for a little bit. And the next thing you know, Mahomes is right down the field again, throwing sidearm bombs, and it's back to Chiefs football again. So, uh, it, you know, it, is, it does have that feeling now that the Raiders are 0-2, and I was feeling all good at the beginning of the season, you know, from that standpoint, to bring it back to a hold of the AFC West. And uh, they're not here to mess around this year. They're, uh, I think they're just they're, – they're all business this year. And I think in the past they got off to those slow starts. That obviously won't be the case this year. It, Tyler, it's it's strange how they've kind of manipulated their offensive attack going from just using Tyreek Hill as the weapon to now everybody's getting involved. Does that maybe show it's been a little bit they're, – they're able to find new ways to win and, and this team may be even more dangerous than the past two seasons when they've been Super Bowl contenders and, and on the verge of playing in the Super Bowl? I think it's really showing off uh, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes' like versatility and not needing to reply, rely – on one guy, they can have four guys over 40 yards. Mahomes is just spreading it out. He's still being just as effective with his downfield throw, making big plays. But I like what the, I saw from the Chargers. They were on the road on a night game, and they had they should have won. Their coaching will always leave a sour taste in my mouth. But I do like what I saw from the Chargers. The Chiefs are still with Mahomes until you top them, like beat them, I like and take the division from them. I, he's you got to give him the respect he deserves. He is the number one quarterback in that division. He proved that. I know that Herbert had a, a better statistical game, but I would still say the fact that it was Patrick Mahomes leading his team at the end of the game. Uh, I know he wasn't helped out by anybody on his team, but Herbert did throw the pick six that, that put the game kind of on, on the opposite outtake there. And from that point on, it was catch up from from Los Angeles, and they lost every single bit of momentum. I actually really enjoyed the uh, Kirk Herbstreit Al Michaels booth. I don't know what what you guys thought about that. It was first time seeing them two working together, and and it was great. They they pointed out all the things that I think as a, a broadcaster you should, and they maybe they didn't play into too much of any of the single narratives. I mean, it was a total team win for Kansas City and the Chargers. Nico likes to say the Chargers are going to charge her. And I said the Raiders raid her harder than the Chargers could ever charge her. But Thursday night pushed that theory to the limit. Um, I would say, you know, I love Justin Herbert, but he's got to get into the point where he's not making these boneheaded mistakes. It can't be good play, good play, terrible play, pick six, lose your lead, and then go back with a good play. I mean, I, I think about that where it's third and one and he can walk to the first down marker and he just 
lightly flips the ball. And then on fourth down and six or whatever it was, he throws a dart two plays later, uh, 40 yards down the field. It just makes no sense how this, this Los Angeles Chargers team attacks you. Uh, and it's kind of all over the place. And some random stat I saw that he like leads the league the last couple of years and like picks sixes or something like that. Yeah, you know, I mean that's not you know interceptions going to happen, but obviously those are those are brutal. So you know, especially a ninety nine yarder one, that's going to be a killer in any game. So that was yeah, and that was obviously the turning point. It's strange too because you see on on the replay that tight end gave absolutely no no effort and no effort to even try and run down the pick after it happened. Um, it's part – I mean, you as a coach, I'm, I'm blaming him first and foremost. But he was trying to do the right thing, get himself taken out. They just couldn't get a substitution there. Uh, where do you place the blame on that play? Is it Herbert's fault for maybe not throwing it or, or not realizing that his personnel wasn't going to be in the correct position? Or do you got to put the blame on the guy who didn't run the route and basically gave up the game-winning go-ahead touchdown? I mean, I don't – I think you could probably make a case for both, but who's who's more at fault because Herbert is supposed to be the guy that can lead you through those situations. I think there's a third guy at hand, and that's the, co- the head coach. Like you're on offense, you dictate the pace. If you need, if a guy's calling to come out of the game, you have to make that happen, and or at least a quarter. And it's somewhat on Herbert because Herbert has to recognize this guy is gas. I can't really trust him to run any like sharp route if he's calling to be taken out of the game. But I put the most action. The tight end ever gets the least. Staley gets the most, and then Herbert to me gets it. But effort to tackle him after the pick, I blame more on Everett than the actual route. It's, I mean, Brandon Staley, he kind of seemed like he got a little bit too in his head. After last season, everybody was giving him crap for the way he handled the analytics and the way he went for it on fourth down. And now it seems like he's gone the complete opposite way, and and it's maybe to the detriment because – there, there is something to be said. Guys like Jameis Winston, guys like Brandon Staley, they live to be aggressive. And when you tell them, no, don't be aggressive, do play this smart, it's almost like it's they, they can't understand it and they absolutely melt down. Uh, the fact, I will give the Chargers the fact that it was on the road, so you can still split the season series with the Chiefs, so it's not the end of the world. The one stat that I go back to, and I think I mentioned it last week, over the last two seasons, the Bengals and the Chargers have the most time up by 20 points and down by 20 points. So they're never right in field. Yeah, they're either killing it or they're, it's awful. So as a, I know that there's not many of you all out there, Los Angeles Chargers fans, because even if that game was played in Los Angeles, that's Brothers a Kansas City home game. Yeah. Uh, I just have to. I have to because there's nothing else that I can say about them. I mean, my team's out of the playoff picture now, too. Uh, well, I don't so. know about that. Well, yeah, that's not we'll good. Get we'll see. We're, we'll try to help you, Tyler. Me and Tyler will try to help you here a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anything else that we wanted to, to put out there from Thursday night? I mean, other nah. than the Chiefs having the, the big defense, I'd say their running game looked pretty pretty solid, too, better than it has in the past. And all of the, the holes and the, the loopholes that people have been finding in this Kansas City Chiefs attack seem to be – few and far between and and they continue to just mask those holes so they're putting caulking over everything that they they needed to and and they seem ripe and ready for another deep run uh in my mind at least i agree yeah you can't ever count on Andy Reid Mahomes led team would be my thoughts on that yeah there's nothing the Pre-game buffet, I'm putting my money on Andy Reid. In the middle of the game, I'm putting my money on uh, Patrick Mahomes, all of that stuff. Uh, it, it's it's just one of those things. you got to prove that you can beat Ric Flair. To beat the man, you got to beat the man. Nobody's beat them since. They've been nope. the AFC West champion, been 
close to the AFC champion for the past three years in a row. So only your early two Bengals have beat him in the last few things. So that's what we got right there. You got yeah. right? We, we keep trying. Good. I don't think that I can. Let's get a game in between talking about my Bengals. And there we go. I kind of want to talk about. Let's talk about the Dolphins because Mike McDaniel now two and zero in his Dolphins tenure, and today. Started off awful. I was glad. I was like, yes, I'm playing Tua. He's already thrown a pick. It's 15 seconds into the game. It's minus 1.7 fantasy points. And then, of course, the week that Nico and I play a team with Tua Tagovailoa as the quarterback, it's the game that he throws a career high in touchdowns, six touchdowns, 469 passing yards, two, two interceptions, and he did get sacked one time. But by far, his best game that he's played in the pros, and I don't think it's relatively close. No. Uh, but it was too. I mean, they did have to make a comeback in the fourth quarter. And up until that point, it seems it's very Tebow-esque. And that's coming from a guy who lived through the Tebow mania era, like up close and personal. You could barely watch the Miami Dolphins for the first three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, all of a sudden, the other team just forgets how to play football. And it's kind of hilarious to watch. Yeah, I had Baltimore's defense. I was like, great, a kick return to start, a pick. Let's do this. And then... Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, it's a different thing that anybody else has. They're so, so fast. It, you have to play so perimeterly to the edges. You can't do anything up the middle. And Mostert can exploit that. He only got 11 carries, but it was pretty good. But Waddle and Hill are going to just be uh, – But I, it's two of a real spiral question. Like, you had this game that was he absolutely spectacular. He looked like Steve Young for real. He did, like, yeah, and, was, and he was hitting guys down the field, too. It wasn't dink and dunk because that was the big knock on him coming out of Alabama and Sarkeesian's offense. It was always screen passes, yeah. and that's why he was a 70% completion percentage in college, and today he was pushing it down the field. And it's hilarious to see Mike McDaniel. He doesn't look – talk about a guy who doesn't look like he belongs on the sidelines of an NFL <laughs> franchise. And the shades, the, the, the fact that he can barely fit his communication pack around his waist because it's too big. <laughs> All of that stuff just plays into the whole mystique. I guess it's a good time to be in Miami. So good weather, good football, and, and now the Dolphins are number one in the AFC or tied for number one in the AFC East. I'm not going to say they're the best team in that division because no. we all know who that giant that's looming over there, six foot five Wyoming giant. Yeah, and that will be an interesting game next week. Obviously, go looking ahead there early, but uh, I think the Dolphins. I, it's hard to buy into that. For me, it's hard to buy into a team when you when you're down by 24 too, like that. You know what I mean? Like, kind of like the, my theory with like the Cardinals too today with them. There's moments where we, I mean, we've all played sports. When you're losing like that, there is a freedom that comes with that as well at times, and you start to get a little momentum. The other team is on their heels, and that's just kind of what it felt like. And the Ravens defense, I mean, they they collapsed on an all. I mean, there was guys wide. Oh, they were that one to Hill. I mean, they were just making. Boneheaded well, mistakes. If you're a defensive coordinator there, you cannot be sleeping well today. <laughs> that's the thing. Why are you blitzing the middle linebacker and the safety when you know that you have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle on the other on the offense? You I mean, better damn giving up. Them. Yeah, you, you're giving up. You you use your two fastest players in Patrick Queen and Kyle Hamilton to try and get to the quarterback. Not, neither of them got home, and then Tyreek Hill was just open. So that when he does catch it, it it's a house call or at least 40 yards down the field. And also, how does Jalen Waddle catch the go ahead? The, the, the pass that, that ended up winning that game. That was completely defended, yet it, it just didn't finish. Like, the Ravens did not finish, and I was glad to see it because it, it helps out my team's case a little bit later on in the season, hopefully. Uh, 
the, yeah, but the how about Lamar Jackson? Showed a lot. Yeah, I was gonna say the Ravens showed a lot. Like Rashad, yeah. that big touchdown to Rashad Bateman, they were they should have won this game. They they did everything they needed to, and I honestly thought that they gave Lamar Jackson too much time. I'll be honest. I think that Lamar Jackson a little bit more because I'm going, like you said, like now that I've talked to you, I know that you kind of were a critic of him a little bit, and that's understanding. I'm the same way, or I was. I know Tyler's the same way at times. And, um, no, I'm a critic for sure. And but the thing today is he couldn't he couldn't finish the job. That's part of the job as the quarterback. But it's hard when he scored 35 points to you know or you know 28, 28 of them on offense uh, from that point. You know so. I thought he was still really good for the Ravens, and that's really important. I mean, he's trying to play for that contract. I, I don't. If he plays like that, the Ravens are going to be a different, a much harder team, though. I mean, I, you figure for the most part their defense won't play that bad. But Miami, I still got to see more. I still got to see more from Tua. I got to be able. To, I got to see more from him. I I think that's fair. I mean, it's still the, that, like we said, that was his best game. That's the only time that he's looked that competent in the NFL and that comfortable. I mean, he, he was unreal. It was. That was that was the two of that won the national championship yeah, as a freshman. That Six was, touchdowns, four hundred and sixty-nine yards. Are you kidding? Those are college numbers. When you right when you can make up for two interceptions in the NFL level, you know you've done something. Right? Yeah. We're we're not even. That's not what you lead off with. You lead off with the fact that he yeah. threw six touchdowns and got his team. The, yes, it took them until the fourth quarter to make the comeback, but they still made the comeback in the fourth quarter. That's all I'm going to say. Twenty-eight to three in the final fifteen minutes of the game. Yeah. You, you deserve to win that one. And Tyree Kill is still one of the most difficult human beings on the planet. He's a freak. When it, comes, when it comes to football, it just doesn't doesn't matter for yeah. for Tyree Kill. Uh, <clears throat> next the game thing with Tua, yeah, go ahead, Tyler. he it was against a good secondary. Like Marcus Williams is an all pro, uh, a pro bowl at least. Jason, or not Jason, but Marcus Peters is more reputation at this point probably, but Marlon Humphrey. And their other safety, who you mentioned earlier from Hamilton, are all good players. And they put up these numbers, which made it more impressive for me. And Baltimore's, even when they have a bad defense, it normally is still explode, like athletic and fast. So, like, there's, I, I was very impressed. I do want to see a little more when it comes to two of them. Yeah, like I said, they're not anointed as the, the team in the East. I think that they're going to compete and they're – I think they maybe have a chance to even be out of the in the hunt graphic. They'll win the wild card spot. They'll be one of the first teams to clinch a wild card spot. Um, but it is still there's a long way to go, and they fell apart towards the end of the season. They had a chance to make the playoffs last year and couldn't get things done, just like the, the Indianapolis Colts, which could be. I, I guess that's a good segue to go into that game because that was my defense, and they gave me zero points, and they played an entire game. It's not like. I in week one I talked about it on our show on the far end of the bench with uh, Devontae Smith. He wasn't even playing. He was injured. They didn't play him at all. So I got a zero. I got a zero from the Indianapolis Colts defense in a spot where I I was thinking okay they'll probably get a couple picks. Trevor Lawrence isn't is is overhyped at this point. He's not ready to take that next step. Uh, something's wrong in Indianapolis. And I wish Josh would have come on from Variety Sports because I know he's one of the the only Colts fans that I do know of. Uh, Frank Reich needs to figure out what's going wrong and, and figure it out fast. Matt Ryan hasn't gelled so far with that Colts offense. Jonathan Taylor couldn't get anything done today. And that defense, I mean, how do you let the Jacksonville Jaguars, of all teams, do that to you on offense? Christian Kirk, who had been basically almost dead and gone for the last two years in Arizona as the third option, has two touchdowns on you, and you put up absolutely no fight against a team that people were, were saying you should – 
that was going to be your bounce back. You were going to you, – you had the bad tie last week. You're going to get a bounce back. And you have now lost or tied the two worst teams in your division. You're not even playing the team that everybody was projecting you to have to compete with for the division title. So what's what's the issue with Indianapolis? What's going on with them? I mean, let, I mean, can I ask the like maybe the you know this maybe this is an out of control question, but I mean, is Matt Ryan done? I mean, is he not good anymore? You know, I'm, I'm not. Is that too far? Am I am I crossing a line with that? That statement? Am I offending Matt Ryan lovers or so by that? Is this a, is this going too far? That I don't. I, I mean, he yeah. got traded for a reason. I mean, you know, t- I, it, he was through three picks. He, I mean, I know he played well last week, but he kind of more played well just because they had to come back again and he was throwing a little bit late. Another thing for me, I mean, they scored zero points. <laughs> I mean, that's not, that's not good. And then defensively, Lawrence, he, he threw five incompletions. Man, he looked he looked like the number one pick today. And then Cameron Kirk, I've been ripping on him all offseason just because of the f- terrible contract that I thought. But he obviously slapped me in the face. He must have been watching my podcast. No, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, I just thought, I, I don't know. That's my, my thing is Matt Ryan, my jump in the gun on that maybe is, you know, is, he, is, there, is, there, is there a world where he's – He's not done anymore. I, there's no reason Jonathan Taylor should ever have nine carries, and, and like he had, was, and especially when he's averaging six per per carry, like give him the damn ball. Michael Pittman's out. He's not even, your best threat on the outside's out. Like, and then your best defender in Darius Leonard or Shaq Leonard, whatever he wants to be called nowadays, was out too. So like, I understand losing maybe a close game, but and Jacksonville just owns the Colts. Like, the last, like, eight games on the road, the Colts are 0-8, I think. Yeah. So, like, but, yeah, the question is, can Matt Ryan bounce? Is he going to be Carson Wentz, or is he going to be, like, prime Matt Ryan? I think he's closer to the Carson Wentz from last year than he is to being, like, an all-pro. Yeah, it's it's tough because we've been talking about so much how this is the best quarterback that the Colts have had in this last three-year window that they made the playoffs with uh, since Andrew Luck, pretty much, with Brissett and then Rivers and now uh, Wentz and, and Ryan. I give I was trying to give Matt Ryan the benefit of the doubt and a lot of credit going into the season because I've heard the stories. He and Kyle Shanahan created quarterback footwork from the shotgun. That was They were the ones that kind of put installed the West Coast offense from the shotgun, and that was the year that they went to the Super Bowl and the 28-3. That's my thing is that the team is cursed. Everybody talks about Atlanta and they almost were able to come back and reverse the jinx today. But honestly, I think some of those players are still cursed. And Matt Ryan's one of those guys, him and Kyle Shanahan, really, when they get to the point where they're going to take the next step forward, it's, it's like it, it totally. They do have a little apart. black cat around them. It, it's bad. Cat, it's it's, it's bad. terrible. I wish it wasn't, it wasn't there, but you can't tell me like last year's NFC championship, the 49ers have every, every right to win that game. And they don't. The Super Bowl, they're winning 10 points with about five minutes left in the fourth quarter, and they don't. Uh, and it comes down to, you know, I don't know if Frank Reich has the trust in Matt Ryan. I don't think that Kyle Shanahan had a trust in his quarterbacks in those situations. And now when your coach doesn't trust you and, and you don't necessarily trust the weapons that you have around you, I mean, I don't know. It might be a little early. It's a new team. It's a new quarterback. And none of the new quarterbacks. And Pittman was out. Great. That's a real yeah. play. Well, I'm he's, their only, he's their only outside threat. Yeah, exactly. If he's down, it's Naeem Hines. That's who they were trying to get the ball to in space today. 
Yeah, Pittman's pretty good. That that isn't like just your average loss too. I, I you know I'm just saying, Matt Ryan. I just want to throw it out there. You know, week two overreaction. You know, maybe you know. Here we it go. maybe it could have come, it come really quickly. Somebody's got to throw it out there. I, I get it. It's not like it's unwarranted. It's not like it's invalid. Especially and he did play decent season. last week, like you mentioned, Darren. It wasn't was he behind here, but a lot of guys still suck when they're behind. It's not. He's been doing it for a long time, and he got beat up towards the end of his career or end of his yeah. time in Atlanta. Like, he's probably – this was supposed to be his year of football rehab with Frank Reich. So he's still starting the whole rehabilitation process. I would like to give him a couple more weeks before I say that he's done. But it's trending that way. Like, it's we're, – we're almost to the break glass in case of emergency for Indianapolis, and I would say most Indianapolis Colts fans are probably breaking that glass and, and panicking because <clears> – <throat> I don't know how they're – the only saving grace for them is that their division kind of sucks. And we'll see tomorrow night what the other top team in the AFC South is, is able to do. It's going to be a tough task for them, and, and we're kind of jumping ahead. We'll we'll get to that more towards the end of our time. But if you're not able to beat Jacksonville or Houston, how in the hell are you going to beat King Henry and Tennessee? Well, there, is there a world where he gets fired, you know, if he loses, like, let's say the next two weeks? Yeah, yeah. One of my questions, Scott, the old get, Scott Frost, the uh, old well, Scott Frost treatment. Well, my questions for you guys is going to be who's going to be on the hot seat, and that you were talking about him, and you know, obviously, you know, I don't know, if we'll get into the Panthers and all that, but you know, I have obviously their coach and Frank yeah. Wright. It's hard not to think, you know, especially after the loss last year to end the season. Yeah, that's where it's like, you know, it's just a snowball effect, and now you're you're tying a team, and then you're losing this. So, uh, I, it'll be interesting. I, I would have had the Cardinals coach on too this week, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know we got just his contract there. He said, oh, I don't know. Yeah. You know, there's a little bit there. You know, you can't lose the last game of the season to the worst, to the worst team in the league, baby, and then lose the next three possibly to start a season. That's not the way to start. That's just not, not the way to do it. So I don't know. I'll be interested with Colts fans over the week, how they react to that too. There's going to be a lot of overreaction. I can tell you that the Colts, yeah. Colts fan base loves to overreact. Uh, I'm sure that they're going to be – this is going to be just adding fuel to that fire. Uh, la- the the next kind of major storyline, and I don't know, it was boring up until that point, but the Saints and Falcons finally went to blows. It, over the, yes, the two Bucks. seasons of frustration yeah, – the, the Bucks, the Bucks and Saints. Over two seasons of frustration, Tom Brady not being able to beat New Orleans in the regular season, and it comes down to a fight, and Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore getting ejected, and all of a sudden the Bucks woke back up, and they look like a Super Bowl contender again. That defense, we were watching the game today, and that delayed blitz that they have with Devin White is just unfair. The dude is so fast, and he doesn't, he's not blitzing off the snap. He's giving you a full three seconds, and he's still getting to the quarterback and making your life miserable. And he forced those two bad picks Jameis threw at the end of that game. So I think that it's safe to say. I know we had Jake on last week, and he's a Saints fan, and he was excited that they were able to pull off the, the hold on to the victory against Sorry, Atlanta. James. Yeah, Jameis ain't that guy. He's no. not the Hall of Fame quarterback that everybody continues to try and push that he is. There's this one guy on. He loves crab legs. He does love his crab legs, and he can eat a lot of crab legs when he retires and has to go to Maryland or something because he ain't, he's not going to be playing quarterback in the NFL for much longer. I, think I do want to give him credit for play. Well, I want to give, give yeah, yeah. Jameis some credit for playing with four yeah, yeah. broken bones in his back. But I agree with you. I'm not. I've never been a Jameis guy. Even at Florida State, I was like, this guy doesn't do it for me. He went undefeated, and I said, like, ah, no, I wouldn't take him one. I would take Mariota, which was a bad pick, also. So like, bad year, yeah, bad year quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. 
But yeah, I, the the Saints and Bucks, their defenses are good. They just have a lot of talent. Uh, I love Antoine Winfield's game as a safety. I predicted him to win Defense Player of the Year last year. I think I might be a year early. I think he's him and what the middle linebacker are just dynamic. Carson. Oh, yeah. uh, Devin no, White. Devin White. Yeah, Devin White. Don't they still have Levante David too? They yeah. Devin White and Levante David still. Mm-hmm. That's one of the best linebacking cores in football and has been for the last three years. I, I just feel like Jameis Winston, he's, I mean, I, it's, he's such high risk, high reward. Like he, he, to me, he's like the definition of like a, a 10 and six, you know, I guess now 10 and five, like quarterback on a good year. And then you go to, and then there's that year where he's throwing just as many picks as he has interceptions and you're 500 or less. Like today, what one touchdown, three interceptions, you know, it's just not going to cut it against, you know, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. It was interesting that fight with the Bucks with Evans. You said like it was boiling up over that point. To me, that was still a stupid play by Evans. I know it maybe motivated his team, but I mean, he did get ejected from the game. And at the time, it was, I think that maybe the Saints were ahead at the time, possibly still. But I, I know, yeah. I can't remember. It's either tied or right there. And, I think it was 6 3 at that point. Yeah, I saw a lot. Field. Yeah, I've never seen it live there, but. I mean, the Bucks. I mean, they're not looking the same, though. I know you said they kind of got fired up, so maybe next week this kind of gets them triggered and they're motivated again. But they definitely have not looked like they're cooking early on. But it's still early, like you said, with them. But the Saints, a lot of people – I was one of them kind of thinking they could be the upset team. And But to me, that goes with Winston. He's going to have games like this. So if you're a Saints fan, I, you, there's no way you could overreact to a game like this. This is just what you'd have to expect for him as your quarterback. Yeah, the last year that he, the last full year that he had as a starter, he was through 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. The only person in NFL history to ever do that. And yep. uh, it seems like that's kind of the way he trends. He's either going to throw you a 60 yard touchdown bomb down the sideline or he's going to throw it to the middle linebacker because he's just not reading the defense. He thinks that he's, it's similar to what I was saying about Burrow last week with all of the interceptions. He thinks that he's Brett Favre and he has that arm strength. And not many people, if any, have ever had that that amount of arm strength to be able to throw it into the windows that he's trying to throw it into. It's almost like they try to keep the play alive too often. You know, sometimes it, there's like, a good thing. There is such a thing as a good incompletion, just yeah. throwing it to, to where you get another yeah. player to line up. Uh, and I don't, I really don't, I not to say not trying to be a, a real jerk or anything like that. I think that he struggles reading defenses. I don't think that he sees coverages very well. He didn't really do it in college. That was the crazy thing at, at Florida State. He threw a lot of interceptions. And, uh, he was the quarterback when Florida State finally lost out on that streak that they had. So I think that he struggled pretty much the entire time he's been in the league, and nobody's really helped him out. I think Bruce Arians loved using him just because he likes to throw the ball deep, and that's Bruce Arians' ML. But he didn't teach him how to read defenses. He didn't teach him how to go through a progression or anything like that. Or at least that's what it seems like when I when I see Jameis Winston out there on the field. Yeah, did he throw thirty picks under Arians and Taylor? Thirty, thirty interceptions. So. Either really yeah, I don't think he learned how to play quarterback if you're throwing thirty picks in a season. Something's not, <laughs> not at all. I think my uh, my flag football kids in the middle school might be able to read a defense better than he can. Um, Wouldn't be surprised. It, it was interesting though how they they worked out that that penalty. Were you guys surprised that it was uh, it was only the two one ejection on each side and it was one personal foul each way? I would have thought that at some point the the referees would have just started throwing people out in fear of something else starting again. I, I kind of you know I kind of miss a good old, a good old melee there in the NFL. Yeah, you know, I kind of missed that little part right there. So that was good to have them uh, uh, that there. I. 
I, I'm I'm actually happy with it. I think that was a good decision. I'm not gonna. I, I'm I'm very proud of the NFL that. Like, I don't think they needed to go any farther with it. I think that was good. I was surprised Lattimore even got thrown out. I thought it was just gonna be Evans with the cheap shot. It it was. I mean, yeah, the the cheap shot. Evans started it and all that kind of stuff. But um, it, that was hilarious too. Did you see when they slowed it down? They go. What are you gonna do? It's Tom Brady. Like, why is Marshawn? I can't let Marshawn Lattimore get in Tom Brady's face. I'm gonna have to do something. Uh, and it's not the first time Evans has been ejected from a game. I didn't even realize that, but he's kind of liable to do this every couple couple of seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, these guys have a rich history of going at it. These two players, like the last it's, couple yeah. of years, they've been fighting basically between every play and. Just came to a broad. I I liked what they did. Also, the one guy. I think it did enough to like got it to stop the like fighting in between every play, and they got rid of the two guys who were probably the most at fault. Let's not turn into the NBA too much. Let's not. <laughs> we wanted to be ejecting everybody here on every yeah everything here. So, yeah. well, when Cameron Jordan's one of the guys that are trying to pull people out of the pile, when Cameron Jordan's for what's the reason he's like, <laughs> then you know. I should probably calm down here. Maybe I am taking this a little bit too seriously. That's a good Berkeley boy. Yeah. It's a good Berkeley boy. Although the NFL top 100 that I see on him is just that he talks nonstop. So when he is the voice of reason, I will say that it's probably time to to say that you've gone too far. Uh, Let's wrap up some of the other games real quickly from the early slate. The Browns. Uh, not going to be 2-0 still since 1993 was the last time that that happened. The Jets get the one-point victory. Flacco is back in the win column as an NFL starting quarterback. Uh, <clears throat> I think this is what's going to happen with the Browns. They're going to be up and down because everything that's happened. I mean, they have the worst amount of karma built up against their entire team. So good for them that nobody got massively injured so far up on the season. But I don't think that they're going to cruise through this 11 weeks where uh, Deshaun Watson is not going to be their starting quarterback. Even though I hate that he gets the chance to be, they're still just holding out hope, trying to to wait for him to come back. I, yeah, but I thought their defense was a big bad defense. What happened? You can't you let, you let Joseph Flacco get the best of you. You can't let that happen, do you? I mean, I don't. Did you see on, that? that that's, that that's fade route to Wilson, fade, the fade route to Wilson in the end zone where nobody covered him. I don't they had like five yards on a two-yard If I was a Browns fan, I would be – I mean, I was a Raiders fan. I'd be a bit, but if I was a Browns fan, I'd be pissed. You lost to the Jets. I mean, even with even with the, the backup quarterback in there, you have the lead there at the end of the game. You're, I mean, come on. You can't – I mean, you got you can't be feeling like that's 2-0 and right there. Why did Nick Chubb go down? If he goes down, they win. But he runs into three – he did go down a few years ago. I feel like he made a smart decision like that a few years ago. I don't know, but he didn't go down this year. It no, cost me in fantasy, so – FM. I think that there was, I mean, this was, we're, we're showing the comment here, not covering the spread. I think there was a lot of teams that uh, didn't end up, ended up not covering the number that they were given. And I know one of them very well, but I will say before we get to that, the Lions were, this was the first time in I think 15 or 16 games that they were the betting favorite. 24, 24 games. They were the betting favorite and they won and they covered the number that they would have, yes, would have had had to so uh the lions get a big win and and dan campbell doesn't no longer has to worry about possibly going 0 and 17 again i think that's what has been a big contributing factor for most of his play calls uh the the Bengals were the team that i was talking about didn't cover the spread they had seven points they were a seven point favorite today never had the lead once only tied it at the end of the game and then lose on a last second field goal 
which is just poetic justice for the way that the, the last two weeks have gone for the Cincinnati team. The offense, not there. The offensive line, <laughs> it, Nico likes to troll me on our, our podcast account. He retweeted the freezing cold take of Lyle Collins landing in his press conference saying Joe Burrow's got a new bodyguard in town. <clears throat> so that's that's the level of uh, – <clears throat> That's the level of support I get in my podcast relationship is, is that's what that's what is being retweeted on our podcast account. 12 sacks through the first two games. I think that's where we got to start with this Bengals team. 12 sacks. Oh, yeah. two I mean, we talked about before the game, right? Or before the season, that's what it is for sure. Yeah, they revamped that O-line, but it hasn't gotten any better. Like, just the same fucking thing. Waste is it Joe Burrow at this point maybe a little bit? Like, get rid of the ball is – the O-line, like the pro football focus numbers and all that stuff, is that bad? I, here's, I think it's a scheme because they were leaving Micah Parsons as the unblocked person in their pass protection or maybe the little Genius idea. Yeah, or maybe <laughs> it was the tackle just deciding, hey, I don't want to get beat by – I don't want to get beat by Micah Parsons again, so I'm just not – I'm going to pretend like I don't see him. But either way, it needed to get sorted out, and it didn't get sorted out the entire game. And then he was rushing up the middle – up between the center and the guards and those guys were avoiding him too. So not only are they not stepping up and protecting Burrow, they get scared after they get whooped on a little bit and, and they totally disappear. I will say Burrow hasn't played great. He hasn't played to the level that anybody was expecting him to, uh, but he's got all of the help that people thought he was going to have. He doesn't. That offensive line's off. I thought the Cowboys did a good job though on Mixon. I thought they like really focused on probably getting him stopped this game. It seemed like they were all. They seemed like they did a good job with him in the game. And even with the Bengals, I saw this. They tried a few early screens, and the Cowboys did a good job of containing those as well. I thought, and so you could tell that was probably part of their game plan. And then obviously, you know, Higgins got on the board there with the touchdown, but chasing them, they just can't. There was no big plays out there, and so that's got to be the disappointing part if you're a Bengals fan is like last year the season they were so electric at the end of the year offensively right now to, even with the offensive line they were still getting big plays so uh that would be the disappointing part if I was uh from the Bengals side but I still think that you guys have big like even as an 0-2 team I have like one of my questions would be like what 0-2 team could bounce back I mean the Bengals would be one of them to me like I just feel like the division's not it's not unreal there's you know it's, it's still there with teams I don't know, and they have the most offensive firepower. I feel like so. I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to make you feel a little better here. I still think you got a little. I think you got I, a little time left. I appreciate that, but here's what I'm going to say. They go. <laughs> there's a stretch of the season where they go to the Steelers to play on Sunday Night Football. They go to Tennessee in a rematch of the divisional round game. They go. Uh, they host Kansas City in a rematch of the AFC ch- Championship game, and that's I think weeks. 11, 12, and 13, so right in the pivotal point of the playoff race. And you got three teams that are just breathing down your neck, waiting for a chance to get get even with you. So nah, you guys got it. <laughs> if we can go 0-2 against the the damn Steelers and, and uh, oh, man, who do we even lose to today? I, I can't even think. The Steelers and the Cowboys, if we can go 0-2 to those oh, two teams man. and then beat the Steelers, uh, the Titans, and the Chiefs in simultaneous weeks – I will take it. I will take all of the the so terrible the terrible football that I've seen for the last two weeks. I will take it if, <laughs> if that's the trade that I had to make. If that's the sacrifice. I'll, I'm good with it. Uh, all right. We'll, we'll see. They got bounced back here. Big week. I, I expect the offense to tune it up here a little bit. Here's it is a revenge game because last season this was the Mike White debacle that everybody uh, yeah. gave me shit for. Was the Jets yeah. going and 
and basically doing what the Cowboys did to the Bengals today. The Bengals always lose the one backup quarterback a season, sometimes more than one. But I guess this year, Cooper Rush gets to be the first one. I wish it was Ben DiNucci. I'd feel a lot better if it was Ben DiNucci. Oh, God, I, I, would, I don't want to say that, Dave. That's too tough for me. It's too tough. <laughs> DiNucci the Gooch? Yeah, that was – We Tyler, I think you're on mute. You've never sounded better to me. Second day. <laughs> With the, with the cow, with the Cowboys' defense, it's like it's really legit. Like with, I mean, Diggs had his big playbook moment, but with Parsons and Lawrence, and they have a front seven, and they've contained a Bucks offense that hasn't so much, and I guess two offenses that haven't so much that were supposed to be good, but they were part of not letting them so much. So like, I don't know if the Cowboys' defense is. I don't think with Cooper Rush they're going to do anything, but. The defense seems like it's going to give teams problems all year. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and Dak was involved, too. So, I mean, they're going to get Dak back at some point. And if they can hold themselves steady, I mean, it's the NFC East. Anybody can win the NFC East at this point, I would say. Because there hasn't been one person, one team that stood out really at that point. And, and I would say still no team has really taken the lead uh, in that division. The uh, – the next game that we'll talk about, let's go. Let's talk about the Broncos. And uh, it was not pretty, but that's going to be – I know that's the first thing that Nico's going to say when we go to record our episode that you guys will be able to hear on Wednesday. It doesn't have to be pretty if you win. And I am so very upset that this is, again it, – it's like when we first started the podcast. It was Nico getting a win, the Bengals getting embarrassed, and – and we would just have to sit here and he would be like, listen, listen, I know it's Teddy Bridgewater and he's wearing his two gloves. I know, but these guys, they know how to win ugly, so they should be able to win games. And I, I really don't. I didn't see anything that encouraged me that they fixed their mistakes from Monday night because the Monday night game was awful. And today seemed even worse with the clock management or lack thereof that you got to see from uh, the stupid, stupid uh, Nathaniel Hackett and all those it was bad. It was a Nathaniel bad game. needs to take a time management class. What is going on here? And play some Madden or something. Maybe I feel like just that would help him alone. Just some Madden at night, get used to understanding the clock flow and management. Some of the decisions he makes there, you're like, what the heck? That doesn't make any sense at all. Hey, they at least got Judy involved. Or no, Sutton, right? Well, one of It was Sutton that had the big game. It was it Sutton. Was Judy got hurt early. So it was, and yeah, it was Sutton. Sutton. Yeah, Judy, you're right. Sutton was the one that had the big game. We talked about the. I was a little worried about their receivers kind of going into the season see if they can break out a little bit. So maybe he's mm-hmm. the guy Wilson kind of finds the connection with, like he had with Lockett with Seattle. Maybe there's a little breakout there. Maybe he has a little connection with him going forward. Uh, yeah, nothing else really with the Broncos. I mean, it's the Texans. I mean, they they just have no offense. In the, you know what I mean? They, they just can't do anything. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that was the crazy part why it was so close because the defense was playing well. And that's, I guess, the question too. This offense has looked so bad, but they've been nailed out by the defense in two straight weeks because in the second half of that Seattle game, they're the ones that kept it close. Today, if, if it wasn't for the defense playing the way that it did, I think the, the Texans could possibly run away and and make that a very embarrassing opener, home opener for, for Russell Wilson in a Broncos uniform. But I wouldn't say that this defense is solidified, and especially without Justin Simmons, early on it looked like it was going to be a rough day. Uh, I don't know what 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 you thought, Tyler, but I thought that the Broncos' defense still needs to show quite a bit more to to be taken as seriously as people have been saying. Yeah, they haven't really gone up against any offense that particularly scares you at anywhere on the field. Like both teams they played, the Texans and 
who they play on Monday night, uh, the Seahawks. Like, I guess DK can be dangerous. I just, I, th- I think it all goes back to, like, what is going wrong with Russell Wilson? This guy, you gave up so much for him. This is what you're getting, like, the guy who, what's, who Drew Locke, like, type play from the quarterback position. I, it's, that's the concerning part to me. I was expecting this offense with Williams, Judy, Sutton, Alfredo, and Russell to be able to move the ball a lot better. But, like, Nico's going to come on their podcast and say they won the game. You know what I mean? That's the thing. And, like, my Raiders blew it. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. They won. They're one and one. But it, it does game. matter at some point. You can't play this bad against teams that aren't. Early on, like, just get the W. Like, if you're 2-2 two and two in September, right? Like, I mean, that's what I would think for a team like the Broncos that are just getting a new quarterback. You, the right? the you, record, you the benchmark is 3-1. The benchmark is 3-1 and one is what people are looking for yeah. through the first month. I heard you emphasize this on your last podcast though about the preseason. You mentioned how the Broncos specifically didn't really do a lot of play a lot of their guys. So maybe there's a little point to that too. Like, you know, maybe the preseason doesn't matter, but you were more talking about like this the pregame, the routines of things, kind of getting used to that kind of stuff. And maybe there's a factor with that too. You know, first home opener. You know, I'm curious to see as the season goes on how I mean, but Wilson's teams have always kind of been like this a little bit. They're like come down to the wire like at times. I Not in September. Many- normally they put out 45 and then it falls yeah. off at the end of the year. In September, it normally lights out. This is when he's always normally in the MVP conversation, but it, it is strange to see how awful. I mean, I would go back to that preseason thing. That's why the Broncos had no timeouts left with seven and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter because they had one fourth down where he couldn't figure out uh, – whether or not he wanted to go for it or kick the field goal. You try to send the field goal unit out there, you get a delayed game, so you end up having to punt it away. <laughs> and and I, I will go back to the, the decision to kick a 64-yarder in Seattle. Nobody has kicked longer than a 57-yard field goal in that state. <laughs> at, at, Lumen's, at Lumen's Field, nobody's kicked farther than a 57-yard field goal and has actually made it. So this entire – Maybe it's just the the first time head coach jitters, and he'll probably figure himself out. I think that he has to kind of shorten. He's trying to be too smart because the yeah. way that the, the time that it takes them to get in and out of the huddle, it's almost like they're saying fifteen different phrases for their play calls. That's that's the only explanation that I can come up with. Or none of these guys actually picked up the uh, the playbook over the off season. So he's having to explain, you're running this route, you're running that route, this is what we're doing here. I'm going to set the projection this way, all in the huddle, and then you end up getting out of the, getting up to the line of scrimmage, you got five seconds to snap the ball, even at home. That was hilarious today. Did you guys hear the, the crowd started counting down the play clock? Yeah, that was the best part of the game. They started counting, like, three, two. I, I was like, what the hell is going on out there? I will say this about Broncos too. fans, though. I don't like to say much. I give them credit. They are very – knowledgeable fan base though in that regard I, there are things like they are a very annoying fan base kind of like at times but i also i do understand that they are like i appreciate them today what was it i think with the the decision that we were talking about Hackett made they let them have it they were booing them big time when they at that fourth down play and stuff like that so i like that kind of stuff with it over there so that was good uh, uh do we want to do we want to address this from logan he he thinks that it Cooper is that a Rush real picture here. of Logan, by the way? Is that actually a real picture? I would say, I mean, <laughs> maybe. Simply maybe. put, I'd go with no. Okay. I'm trying to Cooper I, Rush to get seven Super Bowls. Uh, 
If you, I, mean, I don't know who your friend is, Logan, but maybe we should stick to baseball and, and stick to the seventh inning stretch, which everybody can hear on the Variety <laughs> Sports Network. Great podcast. <laughs> it is a great show. I wish that we had your, your co-host on so that we could talk to him about what the Indianapolis Colts need to do, Logan. that's We need to get Josh on at some point so we can talk to him about, about his team. Um, <clears throat> the uh, 49ers, the other game that was that took place in the window. Well, we'll get to the Raiders here. I'm saving the Raiders for last. 49ers, 27-7 victory. Trey Lance does go down. Jimmy Garoppolo comes back. And in a, a strange situation that could have been quite Shakespearean. Um, yes, that is a Bengals jersey, by the way. Yes. Um, and a Bengals hat, too, if, if anybody was serious. Uh, <clears throat> Not a Giants. Giant. Tyler, we got your initial thoughts at the beginning. But, Darren, what do you think for – I mean – the 49ers and, and this divisional matchup, they get the win. They're one and one. Miss that 0 and 2 plug that everybody's trying so hard to avoid. Didn't look great, though. And I don't know how much confidence it would give me knowing that Trey Lance is now down and, and that's the future of your franchise. And you still have to figure out what you're doing moving forward. Uh, I think, for, I think, for, well, just A for the win, like Seattle. Okay, that's the Seattle I was expecting. So there, that's you know that's the offense I'm expecting ninety percent of the year from that. That's the team I'm expecting. Do you the think Geno Smith's gonna write back yet? Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I don't think so. Uh, I, that's kind of what I expect from them right there. The Niners, it was kind of a ho hum win. I feel like just whatever, you know, just kind of taking care of business type of win. Nothing too special. It's all about the QB news. That's all. It's the drama there. The Niners always nobody produces drama like the quarterback. Even if they're not even trying to, they always produce drama there. Lance goes down. I think for Tyler said it best in a tweet. Actually, I'll let you. I'll take, give you credit for it. You said it might be better for the team now, but it's not better for the franchise long term. That's an interesting way to kind of look at that because Jimmy G goes out, has a solid game. They look like he didn't miss a beat in some senses. You're going to play that low scoring affair. Debo will get tons of touches. Probably run the ball a lot more than he wanted to. I don't know. Get like, all that I, yak. I just feel like that it, for this year, I mean, this is kind of – I mean, there's no way – the Niners have a great defense. They can still make the champ. I still think they can go to the Super Bowl. I don't think that's – I don't know if the – I know that you're probably aware of this, Tyler. I don't know if the fans are aware of this season-ending ankle surgery for Trey Lance. So yeah, not only is he done for today, his season is over. So it is going to be Jimmy G for the foreseeable future unless they do figure out – I, I really don't know what, I, what the I, strategy is. It's career-changing for him. He's never going to have a full, like, this shot where he's going to be the quarterback for 10 games like he would have been this year. Now, next time he comes back, yeah, he'll probably get the starting job maybe if Jimmy hasn't won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But he's never going to get that full free shot like he had today. And the biggest change was the play calling immediately changed when Jimmy came in the game. They actually threw the ball. Like, they were just – they ran 12 of the first 15 times. All of it was screens. It, it, the offense just looked like – like, the announcers were like, oh, how much of the playbook are they going to have to throw away? It looked like they added pages as Jimmy came into the game. To, like, and they opened he up knew the playbook more. better? Yeah. Maybe and it's like, doing. for this year, yeah, I think the Niners are better off. But the franchise got worse. They gave up three first-round picks. So if that pick doesn't work, you're going to be worse. Then you should be. I mean, he should be back next year, right? I mean, it's ankle. It's not ACL. Yeah, but is he any good? We still don't know. 
I mean, Jimmy G's not going to steal the job from him. I mean, he'd have to win a Super Bowl, I feel like, for him to be the quarterback next year. So I still think Lance is still secure there. Like, how about the way you know, Andrew right there below? He said Trey's injury saved the season, the nine-year season. That's kind of the big – That's I mean, that it's hard to not – think about that with the Niners like he's a veteran quarterback he took him to the Super Bowl you could tell the players were rallying around him not very often in a locker and during a game you have the whole team start slapping him on the back like that when he when he throws a touchdown like kind of making a point there uh I don't know I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what happens here like you said just a, the, like riding a bike again Get those subway commercials cranked out again, baby. We're ready to go. <laughs> your favorite, your favorite Greek is Jimmy will put out. Yeah, he is, he is Greek. He's Grecian, not Italian. I'm gonna <laughs> make sure that that is that is common knowledge. All of the 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 adult stars in Silicon Valley lock your doors because Jimmy G is back. Um, <laughs> I still, one quick thing I want to you brought up Shanahan and the losing these games as a giant it still came down to players not executing play like if Tark intercepts that ball and if Jimmy makes that damn pass we all forget about 28 to 3 when it comes to Kyle there's just these play and you're right and there's still is that is, black stain that everyone sees the reason that 28 to 3 existed because he just decided not to run the ball but where the hell is the head coach tone him down <laughs> the head coach is the defensive coordinator in Dallas right now, so the entire situation got blown up after that. Uh, and Dan Quinn made my life hell today. So yeah, that's that's where he was. That I don't know. That's just where I'm sitting because, like I said, watching that that Super Bowl against the Chiefs, and I was rooting for the 49ers because I really didn't want to see Kansas City to get a Super Bowl in that situation. I wanted to see Yuzcheck uh, and and Bosa get what what they wanted. Yet, ten minute, ten minutes left in the fourth quarter, and, and nothing, nothing ever changed. It was, it was bad. Yeah, they that third and fifteen to Hill that just broke their back. Uh, yeah, sad game. A lot of sad night moments lately. What? What do you think, Jimmy? And kind of like people just ripping on Shanahan for the running the, the Lance thing. I mean, he was getting like just massive. What else are you gonna do with him? Like, I don't know. I just thought it was funny. I'm just curious to get your thought of it. As, as that an goes back line. to that goes back to this comment: is that yeah. that's the reason he runs so much is because he's played so little football since he graduated high school that he. <laughs> what we were talking about with James not being able to read defenses, this kid has never had to read a defense. He's always had one read, and if it's not there, you're the most athletic kid on the field. Go run. Bigger, faster, stronger. And he's not anymore. And he's learning no. that the hard way. He's that's he's going to be under anesthesia, getting ankle surgery tomorrow. So, like, if I say all this stuff about Trey, I get these mean tweets at me. I get labeled a Niner hater. I don't care about the team, and I agree with you. Just you, you could tell the team was better. Like it was weird. Like Trey, those first four quarters against the Bears, he looked terrible. And then these, the first quarter he looked like the same thing. I don't know if it's saying it's just not trusting him, not calling plays, but if that's the case, then something's wrong with Trey where he doesn't trust him. I don't think that he's the only coach that doesn't necessarily trust their quarterback. He's just been in the biggest situations. He's the only coach good enough to get into the playoffs and, and be on the verge of Super Bowl contention while still with not trusting quarterbacks. Him. Yes, I think that that's – that's the only thing that you can say about him. And I've talked about his run scheme and he is one of the best coaches of this generation and that whole coaching tree. I mean, Shanahan, LaFleur, McVay, now McDaniel in uh, Miami. It all Taylor seems part like, of that? 
I'm not going to count him because he <laughs> he's not as good at calling plays as the others. I can't put him in the group because then I'm just showing how bad he is comparing him to those. That's guys. fair. That's good. That's good. He point. was the best college player out of the out of the bunch. How about that? He was, he was in the Super Bowl last year, so he did get hot for a couple of games at least. Yeah, and then he totally forgot how to coach. <laughs> fair I, enough. That's all I. You watch more of the games than I did. I can tell you that. I wish I didn't. I wish I could not. <laughs> wish I could talk myself into not watching. Might make my Sundays a little bit more enjoyable. Uh, yeah, watching your own team is torture. It's it like is, literally yeah. putting yourself like watching the NFL is like don't care who wins. Greatest sport ever. You watch it, and you care who wins. You're like, oh, this is effed up. This is a terrible call. This is why do yeah. I put myself through this? Yeah. Yeah. Why am I doing this every Sunday? Speaking of which, Darren, your Raiders. Um, Torture. Didn't show up for the second half. Did they forget? Like it's a sixty-minute game, not a thirty-minute game. It's a it's a common theme uh, with the the Raiders. They, I mean, we all remember the last game of the season last year. I mean, does anybody do it better? I mean, they literally ended the season on something just like this, right? They the team needs to get a touchdown and a two-point conversion. They literally do it with no time left. I mean, no team is just dumber at times in situations like this. No, they just can never complete games defensively. They have him down for a sack. He escapes it. Then he's running around for 50 seconds, and he gets a touchdown, for goodness sakes. I mean, just – it's frustrating as a Raiders fan because there's literally – every time they have a lead, I'm literally just thinking, okay, either the other team just be so stupid that we are allowed to like, just throw it to us. Please, just throw it to us or just commit so many dumb penalties or just be like the Chargers and we can maybe win a game. Like, it, I, there's really no hope. I mean – you guys, like Tyler's like, oh, just make a play. Make a play. He, he, he was running around for 20 seconds, for goodness sakes. How can you not allow him to, like, he had to run 25 yards. Somebody break off your damn player and tackle him. I mean, uh, where's Max Williams? Where's Max Crosby? Or, he was on his back. Couldn't bring him down. He had where's the man QB spy? Where is, the, I mean, well, what are we doing here? This is like, I, I, it was just, I, it, Murray is the best. He he might be the best pickup player though. In terms of just if the he starts getting out of the pocket and it's crazy time like that, and it's just pure just scramble mode, and the Raiders are tired. I mean, it was just a frustrating effort. But and the thing that pisses me off too about the game is Derek Carr. He I, I mean I've tried to have his back going into the year and he's been like, like how I've always said he's been. And the the people that have said he was a top ten quarterback. I mean, you got to be really, you got to be feeling very nervous these next few weeks because there's no way he's top even 15 at this point right now. That's terrible. He, he does have the best eyeliner, guy liner that's worn at, at all times in the NFL. I mean, guy liner. <laughs> that's what it looks like. I mean, it when definitely he's, does. And he also made his voice way deeper. He's, ever since the Raiders were on hard knocks, I just can't, he's one of the cringiest guys that I can, I think, plays in the NFL. I couldn't stand. I can't really stand him. I can't either. I've been. I liked him during that him. season where I where he was close to winning the MVP. I was kind of on his side there. Uh, after that, it's kind of just been that's funny. Ever, totally different. Um, How is Devontae Adams only catch two balls? Like that's my where I'm like this guy runs the Christmas cleanest routes in the league. He's always open, and you complete two passes to him. Something's not the right. Spots. The Raiders' offensive line sucks. It's not very it's good. Not, yeah. It's not very and, good. Like, well, why'd they here. cut Leatherwood if they suck so bad? <laughs> well, he was part of the second. He was part of the, <laughs> the captain. Mark Davis is broke. 
He wasn't very good there either. The Raiders and Bengals should just combine offensive lines. And then Renifro fumbled on two consecutive plays. I mean, I mean, well, what is the, unreal? I mean, the Raiders guy before that, he made a nice a couple safety hits from the Cardinals guy there on fourth down. He lit yeah. up that guy. That was like, that, that was a great play. He actually made a nice play on third down. He was from the Patriots. Uh, I forget, Brannon or something. And then, uh, but that hit that guy made from the Cardinals. I mean, so that is, yeah, that was, man, that was just a, that, a game changer, literally. That was an unreal hit there. So yeah. it's hard to argue with that play right there. <laughs> I remember arguing, uh, it was Derek Brown. Derek Brown was drafted the pick before Isaiah Simmons to Carolina at eight. Okay. Isaiah Simmons went nine to Arizona. And that yeah. was, I remember arguing with so many people like, well, no, you need a uh, interior defensive lineman. I said, no, you need a generational defensive player. Isaiah Simmons is that. Like, Isaiah Simmons was Kyle Hamilton before Kyle Hamilton. And those two plays that he made towards the end of that game, I think that solidified me that he is he is that kind of dude. Simmons is like the, uh, what's it called when you get bigger and stronger, of Thomas Davis. Like Thomas Davis came into the league, who is the Carolina Panther, as a safety. Florida State came in, played linebacker, tore it up with Keekley by his side. And this Simmons guy, just like the same breed, but bigger and stronger and fat, even faster. Very, yeah, way faster. Way, way faster. He, it's kind of unreal to watch this guy play. He got out there, he was in the middle of the field, and he got out to Renfro and still made sure that he was, he, he put his shoulder pad right on the ball. And then also, I don't know why anybody didn't get up and try and chase down it, the the guy who picked up the fumble. It kind of just seemed like everybody was hoping and praying that he was down and and he wasn't down. And that's going to be – that's where it sucks to be a Renfro fan because coming out of college, coming out of Clemson, that's what everybody said is he's not big enough. I know that he's a Wes Welker, Julian Edelman type. He's been more than a slot receiver in his time. He's been more than a slot receiver in his time as a Raider. Yeah, he's but been then, great. You can't get in these situations with these big, fast, athletic safeties because yeah. Isaiah Simmons is is listed as a safety, and and expect to be you know. And it's Carr though. Carr just checks it down all the time. He never throws it deep. They made two passes over twenty. They tried two passes over twenty yards the whole game. Two. And you have the best receiver in the NFL, or one of two passes over twenty yards. They have a top Jimmy three G tight probably end. Made at least three attempts over twenty yards. Are you kidding? You forget this thing's ridiculous. They only threw it on Darren Waller once. Uh, yeah, exactly. It was just bad game all the way around. I, I, we, Nico knew. I mean, Nico and I had experienced McDaniel's as a head coach before, and this is very <laughs> similar, uh, except for the fact that he started six and zero as the Broncos head yeah. coach, and then yeah. lost it from there. But it's similar play calling. It's similar game management. It feels very, very similar. So uh, it's unfortunate for you, but we've been through it before, and and that's kind of where. Josh McDaniels is at. I do feel a little better though. So thank you. <laughs> there you go. Uh, now we can move. Good. We can move on to a game that nope, none of us get to care about, and that was the renewal of the Packers Bears quote rivalry end quote if you can call it that anymore. Uh, Aaron Rodgers flexed his key to the city again, even though it wasn't as it's not an Aaron Rodgers esque performance, but he did go. Uh, 19 of 25, 234 yards, two touchdowns. Packers win 27-10, only three points in the second half, so that maybe that's where the apprehension comes in with this team. But it was a bounce-back victory. They did get back in the win column, and what we said about the Chicago Bears last week being the worst 1-0 team in the NFL was proven true. 
outside of that first offensive series because Fields and that offense for Chicago looked great. Yeah, they actually did. Everything that we everything that we said was spot on last week. It was bad. It was bad. I, I saw the first down, obviously, before we came on here. It just looked like Rodgers was – and the NFL does this every year. They put these terrible games. Like, you know it's going to be a blowout beforehand. I mean, I just don't know what they're thinking with this game. They show what they are. The Bears' offense is going to struggle the whole year, like we said. I don't – that first, they did have that great drive to start. I will say that was actually a pretty good drive. They ran the ball a little bit, but I mean, other than that, they just don't have the weapons. I mean, what do you guys think? Do you think they get four wins? Can they get? Do you think they get four wins? I don't think. No, probably not. Isn't there some guy on the, there's a guy on the network here that's a Bears fan? Uh, he does that. So yeah, come on. Yeah, Thanks for the group chat. Yeah, I should say. I I don't know. I mean. It's it, it comes down to when they started looking bad. It's when they got off their opening play script. Every team has the first fifteen plays that they know they're going to run, yeah. and that's the plays that you practice in in during the week. And after they got out of that, after the first series and a half, that that team just doesn't have it. And they got lucky two weeks ago playing in a, in a monsoon uh, that never happens, and you know took advantage of the situation. Got got the first victory. Today they tried to do the same thing, but once they got off script and the talent of the Green Bay Packers came through, this is a very young roster for Chicago, but they're not built to go. I think four wins is probably their ceiling. They're going to be yeah. in the top five of the draft next year. Can we get into a player real quick? Just like just your guys' thoughts on him. Aaron Jones, like he has no spectacular seasons, but the guys like per rush numbers and like every time he touches the ball, he looks like – He's unreal, but like you look at his stats, and it's like a thousand, one hundred forty yards is his career high for a season. What type of like is he? A, when he plays, is he top back, or is he just? I don't know. He just, I don't. I don't know what to make of him. The average is over five yards per carry for his career, which is like fourth all time among running backs. He seems to make plays when they need him, but it's also, it's not every time that they need him. He makes clutch plays in big moments, but every time that they need a clutch play, that it's not like they can rely on on uh, Aaron Jones to make that play. So I would say he's definitely above average. He's a guy that you could keep around, and the draft value that you picked him at uh, makes him worth kind of having on your roster. But he's not the guy. Is that he on a contract yet, though? I think he signed a contract. I think he I did. I think sure. he re-signed, so the, the value, I think, is, is going down. But then, honestly, if Green Bay didn't re-sign Aaron Jones, that offense would be relying on A.J. Dillon, Marquez Valdez, or not even Valdez, Gantling, A.J. Dillon, Lazard, and uh, Christian Wilkins. So I think they they were kind of backed themselves into a corner, especially after Devontae left. So that's yeah. where I, I see Aaron Jones. I don't, it's I just the number of 5.1 yards per carry. I'm like, that's like generational, like all-time great. But you watch him, you're like, this guy's not all-time great, but – I just wanted to know what you guys thought of him, Darren. I yeah, I'm, I'm with Jimmy on that. I just feel like he's, uh, you know, I I just see somebody that's like kind of your solid running, but your usual solid running back, not like you're necessarily a game changer in that regard. So, yeah, that's I think he's, he's got some solid. sweet shades on the sidelines. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. There's nothing to hate with an Aaron Jones. I would want an Aaron Jones on my team. Let's put it that way. I'm just, I just, yeah. He's a he's the mini version of Jamal Williams. Yeah, yeah. There you go. He's just not quite as big, but. Very fun. Better interview. than Jamal Williams, though, right? He is better than Jamal Williams, but like very fun interview and and fun personality. Yeah. Good locker room guy. Uh, they were on the same team, actually. You know. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and it worked out the way that it worked out. I will say that Rodgers, he probably – the, the Packers – Yeah, and, and the Packers receivers too, they, they heard loud and clear <clears throat> what needed to happen without Rodgers calling him out directly, but everybody knows – He's not. He's the worst guy at hiding his emotions or how he really feels. Like, no one's surprised by what happened tonight. It just went. Was there's a script for the Packers? Very predictable. They have a bad week one. They did it last year. They're gonna win twelve games minimum. Maybe not, but I think they will still. We'll see. Are they still the team? Because we were kind of out on them as the team to win the AFC North or NFC North. Are we back in saying that they're gonna be? Beating the Vikings because that's the only other team that I can think of for that division and, and winning. I'm back. I'm where well, I never left the Packers. I, I don't trust Kirk Cousins. I'm going to take a Rodgers led team over a Cousins led team in a year. I think the Vikings still definitely have a shot. I'm not. No, I'm not saying they don't have a shot, but I would take the Packers if I was to bet. No, I like the Vikings still. Well, that, that's a good segue to kind of wrap up the show here. And before we do, let's mention. Once again, we are uh, presented by the Variety Sports Network. And through the Variety Sports Network, we want to mention, once again, you should check out Triple A's Treats. You get 10% off your order when you mention VSN when you place your order on Facebook. So go to Triple A's Treats Facebook now, place your order. You can also get 15% off uh, when you go to rowonebrand.com. Anything and everything in the art gallery, uh, 15% off when you use code VSP15. I think they said 10%. That's gone up to 15% when you use code VSP15. Uh, and that brings us to, since we are the Sunday night show, we get to predict the Monday night game. And this week, we're lucky enough that we have two Monday night games. So uh, let's start with the Vikings and the Eagles, because we were just talking about Minnesota and we we're talking about their division, NFC North, with the Packers. Going to Philadelphia, and Philadelphia used the hell out of A.J. Brown. Uh, I yeah, would say yeah. they, they made the Titans regret every single part of letting A.J. Brown go. So... What are we feeling for this Vikings Eagles matchup? One and no teams, two one and no teams. Philly's favorite, two and a half, and the over under right now is sitting at 50 and a half. So, is there anything that we like about this uh, uh, game? It's kind here? of an intriguing game. I kind of feel I'm kind of interested. I, I I'm going to go with the Vikings to win this one. I think I think I like the Vikings to pull this one. I think the Eagles, I got us the Eagles. I know are like kind of like that team that's kind of new and like kind of like the Dolphins kind of I think everybody kind of wants to kind of attach to a little bit I, I'm kind of hesitant to jump on yet I still Hurts is definitely a lot better than I than I really ever thought he'd be out of college getting the Brown edition really helped him for sure uh I like I do like the Vikings to win this game though I you can't I mean Cousins might not be the best quarterback but like he's got to be better than like we're talking about like a car right or something like that so he's in this level then he's got really good receivers too he's been on the team forever i'm a huge cook fan i like i like their defense too i like smith in the back there he's always running around just making things miserable for teams um they got they allowed what seven points to the packers last week on defense uh i'm gonna take i'm gonna take the vikings on this one uh I'm interested, Tyler. What are you, what are your feelings on on the Vikings Eagles? Uh, it's yeah, it'll be a good game. I think it's going to be close, I, but I'll go with the Eagles. I I just AJ Brown looked like a machine. Like he looked like the, I don't know who he was out there. I've never seen that AJ Brown. Yeah, he had games, which is only one game. But like I was like, man, this guy is unstoppable. He kind of reminded me of like Brandon Marshall in his prime. 
this is run after cats and whatnot. Like it was so big. Yeah. Um, and then it's all about how how like Miles Sanders is used. If he gets the ball and he's making plays, the Eagles are going to be pretty tough to stop. If he's being shut down and you're relying on Jalen Hurts to throw the ball, you're in trouble. But I'm going to take the Eagles. I'm kind of right there with the two of you. I Hurts is doing a lot better, and I never thought that Hurts would be my fantasy quarterback, yet here we are, and, and he is. So I'm hoping that he does great. But here's the issue that I find with this game, and I don't know if the Eagles have an answer, Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson was the reason the Vikings did what they did to Green Bay last week. And Kevin O'Connell, as the coach for this Minnesota Vikings team, knew how to scheme the Packers defense, which I think is a lot better than Philadelphia. They knew how to scheme him to the point where Justin Jefferson was being covered by a linebacker. So I think they're going to be able to do that again. I think that this one's going to be a shootout. So if I'm going to say, if I'm going to bet anything, and, and my co-host is is the degenerate gambler of the two of us, but if I were going to bet anything, I'd definitely go with the over here because I think it's fun. It's more fun to bet the over anyways. Oh, yeah. and these two teams scored a ton of points. So 15 and a half, would have, they would have hit this if you just take their offensive totals from last week. It's Monday night primetime game. And I honestly think the Vikings might come out fast and the Eagles are going to have to make some sort of a comeback. So I, that's liable for more points. So I don't know who I'd necessarily – I wouldn't pick any team on the points necessarily, but I would definitely pick the over. I'm going to pick the Vikings to, to beat the Eagles, though. So, Tyler, you're going to be the, the long man there for, for Philly. Um, but I do think that there's a lot of intrigue for that game. What's the line? I didn't, I didn't Two and a half, Eagles. Two and a half, yeah. Two and a half for Philly. Yeah, I'll take the Eagles, still. Yeah. It's the home home team, home team bias a little Three bit points. there. Um, so that that's number the second Monday night game, and that moves us to the Tennessee Titans going to Buffalo to take on what everyone has now anointed as the Super Bowl champion Buffalo Bills. Um, <clears throat> this one, a little bit interesting, ten point spread here. Buffalo is a ten point favorite. The over under is set at forty seven and a half. Uh, main point of conversation surrounding the <laughs> Tennessee Titans last week was ten, surrounding the Tennessee Titans last week was uh, Derrick Henry not looking like himself getting blown back here. Uh, I'm going to take that as a compliment, whether it was meant as one or not. So uh, for this Tennessee Titans Buffalo Bills game, Josh Allen is he going to have two weeks in a row where he becomes the best quarterback in the NFL, or are we going to have a return to maybe that mediocre middle-of-the-road Josh Allen. Uh, Buffalo, they're my pick to win this game. Uh, actually, I'm going to stick with my pick that I made on the podcast. I'm going to go with Tennessee. I think Tennessee is going to bounce themselves back, and, and Buffalo's not going to play that well two times in a row. So I'm going to start things off. I'm taking Tennessee. Well, if you could pick both, right? And we are, when you're right on one, one of the podcasts, you'd be right. You take one of the days over there. I – I, ten and a half, I think it's 10 points, the spread, though, for Buffalo. Yeah. That does seem a little high for me, 10 points. I would definitely take the Titans on that edge if we were doing a bet in, uh, betting there. I'm going to take the Bills to win it. I think there is a scenario where I do want to take the Titans a little bit because the Titans do play the Bills tough. Uh, yeah. Henry's the last two years has had 100 yards, and five, 100 yards a game and five total touchdowns against the Bills. They won that great – I think it was a Monday night game. Yeah, they won the great Monday night game last year against them. Um the Titans, the thing with the Titans is I, the reason I kind of want to pick them is because they're coming off that loss and I think they'll be pissed off. And Rabel, I believe, is a good coach. 
And so the and the Titans are one of those teams where like I feel like if you underestimate them, they just bite you in the ass right there. Like they're just gonna get you right there. Like right. So the Bills I could see getting got on a home opener. We're like, are you oh, hedging your bets? They're the home favorite. But I'm gonna take the Bills. I think. I All right, think, Tyler. I think the Titans are. They just play these. These are the type of games they play and win. They lose these games that they should win, like they did last week. They did the Jets last year. They did the Jaguars last year. And they like beat the Rams on Monday night last year. They always beat the teams you like expect them to lose. I think having Jeffrey Simmons in the middle of that line is going to make things a little more difficult for Josh Allen to have his game he had tight like last week. So I think I'll take the Titans. Yeah, there's uh, the defense for Tennessee is better than what Philadelphia played against in Detroit last week and still almost gave up a, a hellacious comeback. Ended up losing the the. The Lions ended up backdoor covering when it was a 20-point margin of victory going into the fourth quarter for Philadelphia. I know Nico Nico and Hezbollah uh, on our show were very very upset that the Eagles allowed Detroit to come all the way back and make that thing as close as it did. So two out of – at least we all didn't go three for three on both games. So Monday night uh, we're split all over. So next week when we come back here, we're going to have yes. plenty of, of trash talk, smack talking to get into – um, I do think that's going to bring us to the end of our show here. So without further ado, you guys want to take control and uh, let you let people know where they can find your show and, and everything like that. Uh, yeah. Look for us at fat boy fadeaway on Twitter. We'll be, uh, you can follow us there at a fat boy fadeaway. Also look for us on YouTube uh, at our, uh, over there, um, our channel there also at the variety sports network. Uh, we're on all those platforms as well there. So, yeah, Luke just did episode 104 today. Uh, talked a little Nathaniel Hackett earlier. So, yeah, take a little listen over there to us. And I thought it was funny. Andrew McGurk, I'm the only one commenting right now. It might be time for bed, buddy. That's the, that's the sign, then, if you're the only one commenting. Just <laughs> and that's the crazy thing, too, is I assume Pacific time. So it's early there still. It's only, no, it's it's only, nine, it's only 918 here. It's not that bad. It's yeah. not that bad here. Uh, but yeah, look for us there. That'd be good for us. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I'm going to be listening to your guys' episode 104 on my way into work tomorrow. So obviously, check out Darren and Tyler. Uh, you can follow Tyler at Tyler McGurk here. I don't know if I spelled that. Oh, I tried you, to spell it. Yeah, correctly. you got it perfect. There you go. That's why. I, that's why I was hosting in college here. Uh, that's <laughs> well where done. you can follow Tyler and get some of his uh, sports takes there. You can follow our show, The Far End of the Bench, at FEOTB Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're also uh, not only releasing new episodes every Wednesday of The Far End of the Bench, uh, we are dropping the the Top of the Mountain show on Fridays, which is our Division II podcast that's also on the Variety Sports Network. So you can listen to myself uh, and Nico on The Far End of the Bench Wednesdays and then myself and Rev Coca talking about some Division II college football on Fridays on the top of the mountain. You can follow the Variety Sports Network at Variety underscore sports underscore. And uh, as always, like, subscribe, share, tell a friend. This is one of the best independent sports platforms that you can find, and we're all very proud and excited to be a part of them. So this has been week three of Talking the Gridiron. Thank you all very much for tuning in, commenting, and uh, wherever you're listening, watching, hopefully you have a safe and and, uh, happy week. And we will be back next Sunday to talk more NFL football. Peace. Thank you.